Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. I'm Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota. I am joined today by my colleague and friend, Pastor Stephanie Jordheim. Steph, good to have you on today. Hello and Happy New Year. (laughs) Yes, Happy New Year. Can you believe it? Happy New Year. That's what the applause is for, yeah. right? Yeah, no, it's for you. The oh. applause is for you. The New Year, we get a uh, just some nice chimes. I love it. Yeah. So, we're going to dive into the Gospel of Mark today, the first chapter. But before we do, speaking of New Year, Steph, what? how do you celebrate New Year's? <laughs> What's like a favorite tradition or something that you do? You know, I like to watch the ball drop. Um, so staying up to watch the ball drop and like catching some rocket New Year's Eve or something like that. Um, I would love it if my kids would join me in that, but they're too cool (laughs) for me. So my, my, my husband will sometimes indulge (laughs) and stay up, (laughs) but yeah. Staying up late is, it's just not in the cards for (laughs) me anymore. You know, yeah. New Year's Eve used to look different. Um, I used to bartend back in the day. and so you were working. (laughs) Yes. Always it was one of the funnest years of the night or nights of the year. But you know, one of the strangest New Year's Eves that I've ever had is this was when I was in college. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law lived in Spain, and we went to see them for Christmas. And we spent New Year's Eve at one of his friends' house mm-hmm. with his family, and. I think we sat down to eat dinner at like 6 p.m. and we didn't get up until midnight. And at midnight, it's like we just kept eating. Like they had all these, all this food and blah. Like, and then the tradition was that when the when midnight comes, you eat 12 grapes. Everybody ate 12 grapes, and then except the grapes had like really big seeds in them, so you were supposed to eat them really fast. But I couldn't because there were seeds. <laughs> And then <laughs> they opened all the windows. This was in apartments, so tons of apartments. And then everybody opened the windows, and they shot fireworks out the windows. It was a strange... Of the house. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It was pretty fun. <laughs> I do like to watch the fireworks and stuff like that. I yeah. mean, I know you normally think of... Fireworks was one of the first things that popped in my head, actually. Yeah. It's not like we ever went anywhere to watch fireworks for New Year's Eve. I do have... Um, I do remember... One New Year's Eve in particular, I have a couple of friends that are Filipino, mm-hmm. and they have so much food. Mm. Like, I, I, I'm trying to remember like adobo and oh yeah, punset and stuff like that. Yeah, so so good, so good. But we don't have anything cool like that in my family. We just like sort of try to make it to midnight and be like, Happy New Year, and then off to bed. Go to bed so you can. S- the thing about the things that that's exciting about a new year, I think, is a we get to celebrate the year behind us, mm-hmm. and sometimes the year is filled with good and bad, and well, not sometimes it always is, but we get to look back and reflect on you know here are the things that happened, and I think we do that globally, nationally, but also personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the thing that's so exciting for people and i'm stating the obvious here but there's this feeling of a new beginning Mm -hmm. which we don't get often in life um and i think that 
actually that works really well with what we're doing today. Yeah, totally. Just diving into the story of Mark and this new beginning that comes in Jesus. He actually, Mark actually begins with the beginning of the good news. Um, and so we latch on to all this exciting, the excitement around what a new year might bring. And sometimes I think we, we detach that from what we read in scripture and mm. what Jesus brings into our life, but actually in a perfect world, they should mm-hmm. go hand in hand. And I think they do. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Like they, oh, absolutely they do. This is perfect. Yeah. So let's begin yeah. at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. And I'm going to read all of chapter one, which those of you at home are thinking he's going to read all of chapter one. <laughs> this car ride isn't that long. <laughs> to which I respond, don't worry, it's less than two pages. Mm-hmm. So we begin. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore a cloth made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. and He was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the, their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed 
that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her and took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after supper, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went out to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the good news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Okay, lots to cover there. We've got lots of different scenes. So much. Um, but let's just start. What what stands out to you? And what questions do you have? Oof, so much stands out to me. Um, there's a, like you said, there's, there's a lot that happens in here. Um, one thing that popped out to me this time in the reading um, that hadn't necessarily popped out for me before, and I want to ask you a question. In verse 45 in your Bible, does it say good news or does it just say news in verse 45 spreading yeah it says uh, instead he went out and began talk to talk freely spreading the news or the good news it says the news okay what does yours say mine says the news but what i had noticed though was good news is introduced here mm-hmm. several times um and i think that that is what Mark is trying to help us see right away from the beginning here is it's not just so just in chapter one, we've already got um, John the Baptist is prepares the way Jesus gets baptized and is declared God's son, you know, um, and then he calls some disciples and he starts healing and driving out impure spirits like right away. So we've got like miracles and healing already happening. So he's setting himself up or he's, Mark is painting for us this picture of Jesus that is good news. Mm-hmm. Um, so good news is just another word for the gospel, right? And that's where we start to see this. Um, 
Jesus, it's setting up Jesus' identity and his purpose. So as the Messiah, the Messiah, as our Savior, as the Deliverer, as the Son of God. So he's got, we've got the authority piece and we've also got um, purpose. Purpose and authority. Like it's setting all of this up already for us in here. Like it says clearly John is not the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He's preparing the way. Mm-hmm. And it says clearly when Jesus is baptized, the heavens open up. And God says, you're my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Okay. And then Jesus announces the good news. And we've got like the, all of this. Okay, the time has come. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And then we've got that right away. Okay, repent and believe the good news. All right, well, I'm going to need some disciples. And then like, I think it's so cool. It's just set up right away. There's no question about the sonship Mm -hmm. and he starts establishing authority Mm -hmm. and purpose right away. Mm -hmm. The purpose piece too, um, I like how in verse 35, it goes back to Jesus prays in a solitary place, like Jesus retreats. So yes, we've got purpose and Jesus has, um, yeah, purpose is the only word that will come to my mind right now. He's got this purpose, but mm-hmm. it also just isn't him. He uh, withdraws and he goes to this solitary place to talk to the Father. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a purpose that's just because Jesus says this is like a divine mm-hmm. purpose. And so he's going to go connect with God. And it's almost like he's almost, I love this part because he's almost like indignant about it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, because the disciples are like, Hey, uh, what are you doing? We've got stuff to do. Cause like he went off. It says right here in 35, it says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then the disciples came after him and they said, uh, everyone's looking for you. Um, and Jesus is sort of like, and let's go someplace else, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no, don't you know that I need to withdraw and be with the father? And that's how we do the things. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. amongst other things, that's a great parallel for how we should <laughs> strive to live instead of like what, like we do so much thinking it's under our own power. Mm-hmm. When really, like Jesus, the first thing that he does is he, yep, he calls some disciples, he drives out impure spirits, he heals a bunch of people, and then he retreats to be with the Father. So it's interesting to me, and you sort of said this, um, you know, we have this word gospel. Um, mm-hmm. Right in the beginning. Uh, Mark says, this is the beginning of the good news. Mm-hmm. And and that phrase, it's a phrase to us, it's a word in in the Greek language, is not an uncommon one. It's not a word that people, you know, the word gospel to us is, like, that's not a daily word. Right. You know, you don't use that at the grocery store. <laughs> um, good news, you might. You know, oh, yay, I can return the cantaloupe that... Uh, was recalled or, you know, good news or, um, good news. You know, there's lots of good news in life. Um, Mark, I think wants us to know immediately that though good news is a common word, common phrase, 
Mm. This is a different type of good news mm-hmm. that's set apart. Um, this is the good news about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And everything that he says coming after that is going to point to that. I love that, that the... I always, whenever I hear the word gospel or good news, mm-hmm. um, I, I always kind of key into, okay, what does that mean? Um, and I think, I think, you know, from a very wide lens, it's the story of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and the grace and mercy that's offered to us right. sinful people. And that's what we're going to see as this unfolds. We're going to see the the ministry of Jesus, but we're also going to see his death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So we will see that gospel, and it's a story told. Um, but I love what Jesus does with that word right away at the beginning. He says, uh, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And mm-hmm. within that context, it's this idea, the good news is that the kingdom of God is breaking in and is near to us, that it's not far away, that it's not distant. Um, There's something important happening because the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God are smashing together in this person, Jesus. Uh, So when he says the kingdom of God has come near, he's talking about himself. Hmm. Of course, if we were just reading this with no context, we might not know that yet. So I think that's really interesting. Um, another thing that really sticks out to me is the there's something happening. Uh, Jesus is inviting people in, mm-hmm. and he's casting demons out. Out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what that that's that's like an unpacking of this sentence: "The kingdom of God has come near." What happens when the kingdom of God comes near? You are brought in to the kingdom. And the evil is pushed out. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is doing that. And he does it over and over and over again. Even in these just few short stories, right? Yeah. He, he's, he's pushing out and pulling in. And, and people start to see almost immediately that this type of good news, this type of teacher, this type of person that Jesus is, is different than what they know. And that's where mm-hmm. they start to question, well, he has some kind of different authority. He's getting this from somewhere else. It's not just, right. he's not like all the other people who've come around and said, I've got good news for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's something different about this. And so pay attention as we keep reading. So Steph, what are the, um, what are some of the different, um, oh, there's one other thing that <laughs> <laughs> stuck so out much. to me. It's, this is just silly. Um, when they talk about John the Baptist eating locusts and wild honey, yeah, thinking about that, like juxtaposed with all the celebratory <laughs> New Year's foods, <laughs> I think I'll stick right. with the meatballs in barbecue sauce over the. the you know locusts. what though? As I like honey <laughs> with locusts. No, <laughs> no, not together. Um, it, I did actually that it did actually catch my ear this time too because I'm like. Because we have, of course, read this <laughs> recently, and as we're reading that, I'm like, why were these details important? Mm-hmm. We, I mean, okay, yes, we've got Jesus driving out an impure spirit and calling dis- disciples and healing people and retreating and healing a man with leprosy. But then in the middle of this, we've got, or right at the beginning of it, he wore clothing around his waist and... 
ate locusts and wild honey. Why is that an important even thing? Mm-hmm. And I do think part of it is just to differentiate. Like, he's not the one, okay? <laughs> like, this man was in solitude, and he was preparing the way. Mm-hmm. And he knew that. He's not dependent on the rest of the world. He's self-sufficient in his own way. Yeah. Also, we, we talked about this on a previous episode, but the, the Old Testament ends with, with these words, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. That is the final the final few verses of the, the Old Testament. See, I will send the prophet Elijah. If we go back to some of the descriptions of Elijah in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. what he's wearing is Similar. what John wears. <laughs> or, yeah, what John wears. Yeah. And so here we've got this bridge. You know, John is fulfilling the role that Elijah was meant to play. Hmm. Um, he, is, he is doing that. He's the one who is sent to point... Um, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, the great the day of the Lord comes. Jesus says the the time has come, <laughs> and John was before him, and so he makes that. So John is is building that that bridge between the the prophecy of the Old Testament and pointing to the Messiah, and yeah, he does it in a way that makes us say, okay, something's different here, mm-hmm. right? Um. All those little details, right? They're just, there's so many little. So, but that's not going to make me eat wild locusts. <laughs> not today. Maybe they're good. Who Maybe knows? they are a New Year's delicacy and we just did not even. Who knew? Who knew? There will be letters. We'll get letters um, about it. So let's just, let's just maybe break it up into a few mm-hmm. scenes here. Uh, so we've got John the Baptist. We talked about him kind of pointing to Jesus. Then we have the baptism of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and John is, is doing something that was, again, not unfamiliar to people. Ceremonial washing, cleansing is something that Jewish people were doing at this time. But John then takes what's familiar mm-hmm. as everything we've seen so far, and he puts a different spin on it yep. to say that, that this is a different kind of baptism. And and then Jesus is baptized, and and we get this voice from heaven who proclaims who he is. You are my son, who I love. With you, I am well pleased. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we ever think that the Christian life is, you know, we become a Christian, and then life becomes just this hunky-dory, comfort, uh, simple, easy thing, uh, just look at the baptism of Jesus. As soon as he's baptized, what happens? At once, the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> For 40 days, and he yep. was tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and angels attended him. It doesn't go into detail in this particular gospel, but there is some detail in other gospels, and it is uh, doesn't sound pleasant. No, it's not a pleasant time. Um but there he has angels watching over him, and he was with wild animals, sort of like Daniel in the lion's den. Huh. Um, in in the presence of wild beasts, he was protected. So there's, again, something important and special about Jesus. Lots mm-hmm. of things, right? 
So then we've got Jesus speaking for the first time, and we, we talked about that a little bit. The time has come near, the kingdom, or the time has come, kingdom of God has come near. And then Jesus gives us some instructions. Repent mm. and believe. Those seem like important words. Yeah. Repent, which literally, literally means turn around, take a different approach, and believe. Which are two important words, I think, in a world that wants us to go a certain way and believe a certain thing. Yeah. Jesus calls us to something different. <laughs> yeah. Sort what of. else? What else do we have? So then, um, so then Jesus. The, yeah. The disciples. So then Jesus calls his disciples, and we see uh, this invitation that Jesus makes. And it's this beautiful... He says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Because the people he's calling are fishermen. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Do that you know little what's sentence, <laughs> yeah. what's being dropped there? Not just a net, but they leave their families. And their families even, there. even when he calls uh, when he calls James and John, they left their dad. Mm-hmm. They're like, yep, we're going. They left their father in the boat. With the hired men, they drop their nets and the everything. And I think about how many times, like Jesus tried to, like, even tap me on the shoulder in my whole life. It was like, okay, so this isn't good for you right now. Your situation, you can follow me. And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. It, you know. Yeah. What I uh, like the I imagine like the faith that it had to take in that moment for the disciples to be like. Yep, drop the nets. This is everything I've ever known my entire life and my family and my what I think is my purpose and my my job and I'm drop it. You so you talked at the beginning about two themes in Mark which are suffering and mm. authority. Yeah. I don't know. I know you and I talked about suffering. I don't know if I called it out at the beginning I think of you when did. we started. I think you said suffering and authority. Yeah. Um there's suffering and authority just in that call story. Obviously, Jesus has some sort of authority that they listen to him. Oh, right? yeah. They see something in him that has enough authority um, to to make them drop what's comfortable and familiar. And then what are they being called into? Well, they maybe don't know this yet. Right. But they're going to be called to suffer. Mm-hmm. And, and they haven't even seen Jesus suffer. Right. Yet. Right. They don't know it. Yep. Okay, so then he's moving along. He's, I love this. You know, there's so much like at once, next. <laughs> We're just moving, moving fast um, through these stories. But he, he goes into the synagogue and who's one of the fir- so first we have uh, the voice from heaven saying who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You are my son. And then we have a demon. Mm-hmm. We have an unclean what spirit. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nather- Nazareth, he says in verse 24. Mm. Have you come to destroy us? And then he says something really interesting. I know He says, who I you know are. who you are, the Holy One of God. The unclean spirit says what many, many people can't bring themselves to say, hmm. that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Like they recognize mm-hmm. him right off. I think that's interesting. That That is interesting. Not only is God the one who claims who Jesus is, but even the unclean spirits see that. And that's, again, probably something to do with that authority. 
mm-hmm. that he has, um, that even even they will listen to him. But they see him for who he is, too. Mm-hmm. And again, of course, the, the question comes after that, what is this? Is yeah. this a new teaching with authority? So it's just sort of setting the stage for, you know, to, for us as readers to ask this question of, who is this who person? Is this yeah, who is w- Jesus? What are we going to find out about who he is, about what it means to believe, about what it means to live a life of faith, about what it means to follow? We're going to find out all that stuff as we keep reading. Mm-hmm. So he just keeps healing. He's kind of like on a healing tour. <laughs> he heals Simon's mom, um, or his mother-in-law, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then people start to figure this out. And all sorts of sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered. Yep, so tons of people are starting to see who Jesus is. Um. And and again, it says he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So we get this, like, this beginning of uh, secrecy, too. Yeah. Like, uh, yep. um, so back, back with that first impure spirit back in verse 24, um, the impure spirit says, I know who you, I know who you are. And right away, Jesus is like, be quiet. Mm-hmm. And then here we have later on again, we've got, um, down in 34, he's got, he also drove out many demons, uh, but would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Mm, so like trying to keep quiet who he is. And then when he heals the leper yeah. all the way down verse 44, in verse 44, he says, see, okay. See, don't don't tell this to anyone, mm-hmm. but go and show yourself to the priest. And he offers him this other way to account for how he was made clean. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the leper goes, <laughs> he the healed leper. Anyways, he goes and tells everybody anyways. So uh, yeah, secrets so, out. But so there's there's this theme in Mark that people often call big fancy phrase the messianic secret <laughs> what that means is jesus is is trying to keep a secret about his anointing and mm-hmm. who he is uh while at the same time living Dude. and proclaiming and preaching um and i think there's lots of levels to that mm-hmm. first one being that proclamation is made in relationship Right, mm. so people come to see who he is, and then they make that proclamation for themselves when they see the miracle. Or um, another thing is, the world isn't ready at this point to see, right? What a mas- who their Messiah is. Um, you know, typically a Messiah, what people would be thinking is he's going to sit on a throne. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus doesn't sit on a throne; he hangs on a cross. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's waiting for that to be fulfilled. And then I think there's maybe even like a practical level to this of you see these crowds everywhere. And in some places it gets to the point where like the crowds are so big they can't, like the whole town is there. Mm. Well, he's maybe trying to control that so he can keep going to the next place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You have thoughts about that? I've always thought that it's just interesting that he would tell people not to tell people. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting too. Um, And But then they never listen. No. Constantly telling people, anyways. And well, if he, you, he had to know, what would you do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you right. saw Jesus perform a miracle, would you just like 
I'm not going to say anything. I'm not say anything. But you know, the disciples, the disciples do kind of try to guard him, though. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because so many, so much of the time, the disciples are doing like the wrong thing or asking just the question that maybe they shouldn't ask <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or what are just like mm-hmm. some question that tells Jesus, wow, y'all don't get it at all. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? What do you mean you're going to suffer? No, you're not. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. Over you know, and over, over, over and over again. Um, so that's interesting to me that the disciples are the ones who are actually trying to keep things quiet for Jesus, whereas the people who are being healed and told specifically, hey, don't tell anybody, they're going and telling people anyways. But then again, eventually the disciples will be asked to go and tell. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to end with one it's not the end, but it's close to the end. And it's in my Bible, there's a heading that says, Jesus prays in a solitary place. Mm-hmm. As we read this, it's very obvious that there's um, a lot going on, and there's this battle. Mm-hmm. There's this battle between good and evil, between God and Satan, um, Jesus right there in the middle. And in the midst of that, Jesus gets up early in the morning he leaves the house and he goes to the quiet so he can pray Mm. which to me is a very interesting insertion into this gospel where the pace is moving really fast Mm -hmm. and then you get this break of but then Jesus stopped Mm-hmm. At once this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then they went there, and then they went there, and then there was a bunch of people there, and then on the, and then Jesus stopped, and he went away. Mm-hmm. What wisdom is there for us, Steph? Oh, man. <laughs> As someone who <laughs> has been sick recently and tends to go like a thousand miles an hour all the time, mm-hmm. um, I think that when we do not do this, we are given reminders to do this. <laughs> Like this, slow down and stop. Like, remember whose power you're working under. Mm-hmm. It is not your own. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Jesus pulls away to sit with the Father, to recharge, <laughs> to be like recent on mission. And I think some of the times that I've felt closest to God personally were when I did take that time and I got up early in the morning and things are quiet in the house and I'm just sitting with God, Mm -hmm. just in a devotion time, just in his word, just journaling and praying. And um, those are the times that I feel like I'm closest to God and best equipped to handle what's happening the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that is just solid modeling that Jesus does for us. Mm -hmm. That, you know, he's like, yeah, I know that you guys, disciples, because disciples come after him. And they're like, everybody's looking for you. Where are you at? And Jesus is like, I'm, I'm with, I needed to go away and be with the father. And, and he's like, okay, but I get that you don't get it. It's okay. Let's go. But it's good modeling, I think, for us to remember to get away, spend that time, that personal time with God. Um, time and devotion, like we would call it devotions, right? Mm-hmm. Devoted time that you give to God. And it's so counterintuitive. 
oh man, so much. Because you feel, especially even like in those devotion times, you can feel all the pull of everything that you know needs to happen in the day. These are the things that have to happen. But Mm -hmm. Jesus even shows us here, yeah, there is a lot of things to do. There's a lot of towns I got to go to. There's a lot of people I got to heal. There's a lot of, like, there's so many things in front of Jesus that he has to do. But the most important thing is that he would get away. And he would pray. And tend to his soul. Mm -hmm. Right? We call that here at Hope doing our soul business. Mm -hmm. And it's it's an essential part of a life of faith. Mm -hmm. Maybe the foundation. And so here at the beginning of a new year, when you're thinking about your routines and your life and the things you need to change and the things you might do, mm-hmm. I would encourage us to read Mark 1, 35 through 39 and then make your plans, starting there. Mm-hmm. With how am I going to carve up my day that's filled with a lot of things and all of them probably important Mm-hmm. How do you let the one that's easy? It's funny that the the most important thing is the one that slips away the easiest. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So, think on that, folks, and I'll do the same because <laughs> it slips away from me too. If you're not right, like it's the whole drifting thing. Like if you're not swimming towards, mm-hmm. you're gonna drift away. Mm-hmm. That's a really good analogy. Mm. So spend some time in th- in that as you think about a new year ahead. Mm -hmm. We're here at a new beginning, and it is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. We're going to continue to to learn about Jesus and his suffering and his authority about what it means to repent and believe and what it looks like when the kingdom of God is near. So, folks, come back next week. We're glad to have you. And uh, like, share, bring some other folks in. Hopefully this can be maybe part of that routine that you have for finding the solitary place in your life to be with God. And in the meantime, stay deeply rooted.